Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. Never take a L no my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. We're going to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Tony Kinnett, co-founder of Chalkboard Review, former educator, former STEM administrator. He's now an education journalist. Tony, how are you, my friend? Absolutely fantastic, gentlemen. Let's start here. This is something I was really been uh, raising my eyebrows the past couple of days. The CDC looking like it may be considering adding the COVID shots for kids to the recommended childhood school schedules. Thus, I think that what that would do is is you know opening the way for schools to mandate COVID shots for kids. I'm wondering your initial thoughts and what this might look like and do to the public education system yeah so as you guys know uh, the education system and much of the health system are relegated to states rights and authorities so state health departments uh, and county local health departments will determine based on federal recommendations uh, what vaccines they would require for students to attend public schools this has been a thing for quite some time the issue with the cdc recommending the COVID vaccine for students k through 12 on their vaccination record is that this does give what will certainly be in a lot of marion county schools uh, your township schools you know ips the opportunity to require the COVID vaccine for students to attend uh, or they can claim, uh, at least at the federal level, that they might withhold funding from states at the education level if they don't require the COVID vaccine. Of course, all of this is an entirely different conversation to begin with because the COVID vaccine has been shown to be rather uh, a letdown. It doesn't stop transmission. And already in this case, we found that COVID doesn't have long-lasting impacting effects for the extremely vast majority of students under the age of 18. Uh, it kind of hits them like a mild flu uh, if they catch it at all. In and, fact, a lot of students under 18 are shown to be asymptomatic. And parents are roundly rejecting. I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers. They're rejecting these shots for kids. Uh, um, barely 2% of kids under 5 and fewer than 1 in 3 from 5 to 11 are fully vax vaccinated or immunized. I mean, what does that say about parents across the United States and uh, their feelings about giving their kids these shots? I mean, it's just further proof that the entire way the vaccine was produced, was marketed, and was essentialized was completely bungled. It was a complete catastrophe. Yes. And so now requiring this for students as though parents are going to go easier on how they take care of their children as opposed to themselves yeah. is ridiculous. Everyone knows that a parent puts the safety of their child far above their own in the common case. And in this situation, I really just don't expect that any parent's going to listen to this this set looks like a virtue signal gone wrong, and I, I don't even think that this will gain traction to make it out of the CDC. Tony Kennett with us from Chalkboard Review. Tony, speaking of Chalkboard Review, there's an interesting tweet thread uh, on the Twitter feed right now, and it starts off with an update from the Florida State Board of Education, but it kind of goes down this rabbit hole, if you want to call it that, of how multiple districts reveal that they're operating uh, policies that don't comply with state law. Now, that's happening in Florida, but if it's happening there, I can guarantee you it's probably happening in other states around the country. This is really important. Tell everybody why. 
Yeah, absolutely. So how education law and policy at the state level works is you as the state legislature, uh, the elected representatives and senators, um, unless you're a unicameral legislation in Nebraska, for instance, you put forth these laws and practices in place and you say, this is how we want education to operate. These are the state standards as have been suggested to us. This is how we're going to do education. And if you're a local school, you can technically uh, make the choice to ignore those laws, just like you can choose to ignore the speed limit on the road, just like you can choose to ignore crosswalks. Only, again, like we were just talking about, you're talking about how you run the lives that include people's children. And in the case of Florida, there were a certain set of laws that were passed in the last legislative session that limited the amount of sexual content that can be included in elementary schools. A lot of parents were uncomfortable with. So they followed legal process and the law was passed. No longer in K through three can you uh teach sexual content to children. Right. That was a big deal for Ron DeSantis. He didn't want any of this sexual stuff uh, being taught to children, kindergarten through third grade in the classroom. Right. And so a lot of schools kind of getting on their social justice horse said, well, we really stand behind the LGBTQ community and we're going to teach this anyway, which is really quite the damning thing to say about the LGBTQ community that apparently their entire identity is wrapped up in sexual content to children. I personally don't think that that's a really respectful way to speak about the lesbian and gay and bi and trans communities. But that's what a lot of people decided to say is, oh, that were a good strategy. So schools decided to do it anyway. Only here's the kicker, what we just broke. The state board of education in Florida just voted that if you're a school that does not follow the state laws regarding any of the social bills that have been passed, your license will be revoked and you will be suspended from the classroom in which you are teaching, mm. which is fantastic. We're speaking with Tony Kinn at Chalkboard Review here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Let's let's piggyback on that a little bit because we have the midterms coming up, a lot of school board positions uh, up for re-election. What do you think, like, like what are the main things concerned parents uh, look for when voting for their school board members? Number one, transparency. They don't want to be blown off. A lot of parents have started to become concerned with the quality of academic instruction, as well as the, the quality of school culture and how students are treated, how students are spoken to, the political atmosphere that has become prevalent in schools. And parents want to know that when they have issues, that they're not going to be blown off by the school board. And we've seen that blowing off happen in a lot of districts. Hamilton Southeastern blew parents off. There's actually something developing uh, with the whole Shanavez family story yeah. in which the school kind of refused to publish the recent nonpartisan report they just filed. That's a whole thing we'll be getting into pretty soon. But parents are concerned with that. They, they really want to know that they have transparency, they have a voice, and then also Parents just don't want a lot of the progressive poli politics filling up the day with nonsense. They send their kids to learn to read and write. That's what school board elections are like heading into this November. So it feels like with the local elections, obviously school boards, but even local elections like governor and things like that, education might be on the docket. I don't hear a whole lot about education when it comes to these national races, these high-profile Senate races like we're having in Georgia or Pennsylvania or Nevada, key swing states like that. Maybe I'm not looking at it close enough, Tony, but it feels like I follow this stuff pretty closely. Are you surprised that education isn't more of a hot topic this year? 
Well, as, as far as a lot of parents are concerned, what on earth is the federal government doing writing edicts about education in the first place? Uh, I don't think that senatorial races around the country should be focusing in on education from the federal level because this is something that's been delegated to the states. It's been delegated to local authority. There is no reason that a parent in New Albany should have any say over what is taught in a school in Greenfield or what is taught in a school in Fort Wayne. These are local issues. States can, of course, produce guidelines, but I, for one, am very glad that we don't see federal elections talking about huge blanket sweep bans that may work great in an urban environment on the coast, but may be detrimental to a Midwestern or a Southern student. Do biological boys playing female sports now, after they've made the transition, does that fall into the category of an education issue? I do not think so. I think it falls under the Civil Rights Act and the protected class of individuals who deserve to be free from threats due to their sex. Uh, If you put a boy that is loaded up with hormones who is going through a mental issue himself who needs counseling, and then you allow him to go change in a girl's locker room, you cannot guarantee the safety of those young women. And because of that, that's not just an education issue that should be locally delegated. That is a biological issue that is classified under the Civil Rights Act. It's Title IX, which is currently being hotly debated uh, over on Capitol Hill and in the Department of Education on the federal level. You know, I'm I'm seeing here, at least where I live in in Zionsville, parents are paying very close attention to who's running for school board. And it seems to be more about teaching subject matter, the fundamentals in, in, in keeping all the political crap, all the indoctrination out of out of the schools. Um, there's a guy, I think a guy running for school board in Zionsville, his name's Kiefer. His motto is education, not indoctrination. And uh, that's really something I think people should be paying attention to. There's other guys like Hart and such that are running that, that are, are great candidates. And you know what else I do? I don't know if this is fair or not. Tell me if this, you think this is fair as a, a former administrator and educator. Sometimes like I'll see in Zionsville, like these giant uh, yard signs for like uh, Democrats that are running for the House, like Jen Bass Patino. I don't really know anything about her except she's a liberal Democrat or this guy Ford. And they have other political campaign signs, like for school board members or for school board. Uh, next to them, I'm like, all right, now I know who not to vote for. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, right. maybe that's not fair, but like, you know, I'll see Alex Troy, who's running for state senate in our in our district, and I and I see the 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 signs around him, thinking, okay, I, I'll pay attention to some of these people because I. I think he's a great candidate is that is that unfair to do tony no i think it's incredibly fair look let's say that i was running for school board in greenfield and a lot of people just suddenly said god forbid but ignoring that <laughs> let's say that i was running for school board locally here where i am and i decided to do so well if you vote straight ticket as the law currently stands it will not select school board candidates the fact of the matter is yep. a lot of people like voting straight ticket red or blue that is their personal choice So a lot of individuals want to put a letter next to their name to quickly showcase to voters, hey, look, these are the principles that this party platform has put forward. The Democrats and the Republicans have for decades, if not centuries, a century and a half, given the time the Republican Party was founded. There are huge platforms that have always been planks in the party 
for education. If you say I align with those principles, I don't see why you shouldn't be able to put a letter next to your name. The whole school board election shouldn't be political is the most fantastical utopian unicorn fairy tale that anyone has ever come up with. I think it shouldn't be political. Great. And I think that gas should be free, but we live in the real world. I mean, that's not, everything is inherently political. And if it's an elected office, look, if you want to align your campaign with J.D. Ford, Hey, I mean, I I personally wouldn't get on the Titanic, no. but you know that's yeah. some people's <laughs> choice. That's that's just you. Uh, where can we get more information, Tony? You should head over to chalkboardreview.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. We don't spam your inbox, but you know that's just a personal preference. If you are really sadistic and you really love seeing hot takes served fresh every day, oh, you yeah. can follow me on Twitter over at The Tonus. The Tonus on Twitter. There Tony Kennett, my man, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.